morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Steve Williamson here. Uh, sitting across from me is Karen McClellan. Um, I was listening to our intro that was recorded some time ago, and I see that 11 years ago or 10 years ago when we were starting the show, we were already oriented to her having fact-based politics. And so um, the current focus on having <laughs> politics based on facts is, is not new. Uh, it's Martin Luther King Day. Um, I had a wonderful experience. I, I uh, did hear him speak once. Um, I would say he was the best speaker in my long history involved in politics and other things that I ever heard. Um, and it, it was truly inspiring. I heard him at a big cathedral in St. Louis. Uh, I was there with a bunch of students um, on a on a program. And... In any case, um, what we wanted to do before we got to the show today, and we have a great guest, is to ask you for donations. Now, you can send a check to us, or you can go on the website, you'll find all the information, or there's a little button on our website, not our Facebook page, but our website, where you can press on the button, uh, We, as our old treasurer, uh, Dick Searle, who was with us so many years, used to say what we really like is having um, uh, regular donations each month, even if they're small. That's what Dick always wanted. Um, great guy, passed away this year, and as did our um, important colleague, you know, Klaus von Studerheim. So we lost two people. Um, so we're in more economic difficulty than usual. <laughs> and uh, usual is we managed to keep this thing going for 10 years. It is expensive. We have to buy this airtime. It's not donated to us. It's not anything like that. It's cash on the barrel head before each month. So uh, donations would be deeply appreciated. Uh, we do want to thank our donors, some of our, our larger donors, which are, one is Democrats of the Red Rocks. Karen, when is their, Nash, uh, uh, their annual meeting now? It's this Thursday? Yeah, this coming Thursday. It's going to be a Zoom meeting at uh, 10 a.m. Got the executive director of the Arizona Democratic Party, you know, talking about the effects of redistricting in Arizona, you know, what they're seeing for competitive, non-competitive districts, specifically towards the legislative districts in Arizona. So, um, yeah, tune in and listen. You can find the uh, the login information on the website. You know, for the, and the Yavapai County Party has been a very generous uh, donor. We'd like to get people from the other side of the mountain, more people from over there on the show. But the Yavapai County Party is getting much more active, particularly down in Cottonwood with the Yavapai. What do they call themselves? Yavapai. Uh, you have a pie Demo I, I, Democrats in Cottonwood, Cottonwood, you have a pie Democrats. I'm, I can yeah. never remember the I can never remember it either. Well, times, yeah. we're getting old, yeah. folks, so yeah. we can't remember who they are. But, but, but anyway, there's a good group now down in Cottonwood, which is something that we've always yeah. wanted to and have. Just to strip like the Yavapai Democrats also have a Zoom. I think it's uh, maybe in per you may be able to attend in person as well. Uh, also at six o'clock on Thursday evening, and that one would be of interest because. 
among the guests on that program are three Democrats who are planning to run in LD1, which is our new legislative district that includes the Verde Valley and the rest of Yavapai County in a new district. Mm. And there are three Democrats planning to run for state legislature. We really have to kind of re-educate ourselves. Right, Karen, we have to kind of get get up to speed with all the redistricting <laughs> and stuff and its impact and the structure of the yeah. of the district. We also want to thank El Portal. And it's a great little boutique hotel, and I call it the uh, most pet-friendly <laughs> hotel in the world. But it's a really nice place, lots of wonderful art, lots of wonderful design. Uh, it's a really fun, interesting thing. We'd like to thank Steve Segner and El Portal for supporting this. Now, Karen, after all of that, the first 30 minutes of, ta- <laughs> of, of asking for money... Um, uh, we should introduce our, our guest. Yeah. yeah, our guest today is Mark Robert Gordon, um, who's a, a lawyer who specializes in election-related law. He's worked around the country in different places with different uh, state le- uh, election boards, with you know the Democratic Party on election issues. He also, you may remember his name, he ran for Secretary of State. Uh, four years ago, um, did not win the Democratic no, you know, Party nomination, but since then, since then he's been elected as an Arizona member of the Democratic National Committee. So he's got a pretty good view on sort of national politics within the Democratic Party, uh, especially on these things related to voting and elections and other issues. You know, unfortunately, since the time he's been on the Democratic National Committee, they haven't yet had an in-person meeting, so he yeah. hasn't had the chance to enjoy the full flavor of the point of being there is to be able to talk with delegates from all across the country in person as opposed you know so it, what people don't understand to some extent karen is that is that politics can be sort of fun you meet yeah. interesting people and you it's just a different experience you talk to people you've never yeah. talked to so i really hope we'll get back to uh, in-person meetings locally and 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 nationally because i think you make unpredicted connections that you wouldn't expect i really enjoyed the door picnic you know met people i hadn't seen in a long time people we had interviewed in past years so uh hopefully we'll get back to that so mark hello 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 good morning happy mlk day to you both yeah thank you yes yes um a truly great man i mean the civil rights movement could have gone a very different direction it's like Nelson Mandela in South Africa could have gone a very different direction and turned out to be much, much more difficult. What? And we're still fighting. Yeah. Um, look, at, look at what we're going through right now with voting rights. We're still fighting for these things that we thought were the goals that we accomplished of uh, making us a more perfect union and, mm-hmm. and closer to uh, the American ideal. And what we say America stands for in the in the 60s, and now here we are again, fighting these same battles. Why would anyone and, and say meetings, meetings keeping people from voting was a good idea to to encourage national unity? Why would anyone, Mark, think that discouraging people from voting and making it complicated and hard? Uh, why would anyone think that was a way? to bring social uh, peace and connectedness. But they seem to, right? Well, I, I don't think they're striving for peace. They're striving for power. Yes. They, they, these people that are blocking uh, the right to vote, that are picking their electorates, that are finding ways to put different impediments in to various programs that would help people, 
and that the public supports uh, in, in poll after poll. Uh, they are seeking power. When we look at, at the structure in the House, the structure in the Senate to be upholding uh, the system and the people that brought about the January 6th uh, events in our capital and are afraid to take a stand for democracy, which is what we should be uh, unquestionably doing, regardless of party, their goal is power. It's more important than our ideals, and it's frightening. Yeah, I so think it's... And he must persevere. I think it's a, it's, a, it, it's a deeply worrisome situation, don't you think, Mark, with, uh, with one of the political parties seeming to not care about democracy and to see, to see it with their way to power as keeping people from voting, keeping people from participating in the system, from discouraging people. Uh, that seems... Something you shouldn't do, you know, ever. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's what we see happening, and uh, it, it looks like the the Voting Rights Act is is not is going nowhere. In part, thanks to uh, our Senator Kirsten Cinema. Oh, I, 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 that was a dot dot dot. That was a leading question for me to take the bait. On. Yeah, yeah <laughs> take the bait, Mark. We're we're a take the bait group here. You know, Karen's well, worse well, than I am. But no, no, she's yeah. not. She's much better. Yeah. We're all shy in the early morning, aren't we? Uh, yeah. So, our, our senior senator's point is that she believes the filibuster uh, is important as a tool. Because one day we will be in the minority in the Senate. Uh, it's happened frequently, and it will happen again, and likely at some point soon. Uh, and there are, are things that we need uh, to be able to uh, have our stance against. Uh, there is a growing dissatisfaction with the ways of old there, uh, among the people. And that's why that debate over Senate rules is getting that much pushback right now. We are in too strange a time and too immediate a time for information, for news, for, for things getting accomplished, that the idea of supporting something that stalls democracy and stalls progress is anathema. It's something that's a, a blockage to what we are, um, what we believe should be happening, and that's why we're getting pushback within our own party uh, against the, uh, the senior senator's stance on this. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out electorally uh, and politically. But in terms of voting rights, right now, all is for there have been carve outs to the filibuster. Uh, that has been made for different purposes by the Republicans. And in this instance, there should be one thing that both parties unite about, and that's making sure that the system is sound. And to make sure that the electoral system and the confidence among the American people in that system is sound, uh, we've got to enact some of this voting rights legislation. There are two major bills. There's a lot packed into those two bills. Uh, 
and we've been trying to get those through, and they pass, uh, one of them just passed through the House, but it's going to be stalled in the Senate because we can't get that 60-vote threshold due to the filibuster. And I don't think that the public is going to um, be satisfied with the system as it is and with the, the blockages that have been put up around the country uh, because of a Supreme Court decision uh, nearly a decade ago, uh, eight years ago, nine years ago, going on nine years, uh, and because of how the U.S. government has acted, the states now are enacting legislation at record pace to make it more difficult for people to vote and access the franchise. Yeah, and unfortunately, most people don't realize some of those things I was just reading um, are current state senator wendy rogers in arizona part of one of the bills she's introduced would take away every ballot drop box that you can now have outside of city halls even the ones outside the county office the only place you could drop a a ballot in the box would be inside the county office presumably during business working hours you know and in a state where 80 what 80 percent of arizona's vote by mail and people don't realize that something that sounds small how inconvenient and how, how difficult that might make them personally able to vote is that you now if you you know if you feel oh gee i've left my ballot a little bit too late it might not get there if i mail it that you're going to go have to drive to a county office and we know how far that can be in arizona drive to a county office to drop your 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 ballot out if you wait too long to put it in the mail and i think people don't even realize they they sound like little things don't realize how hard that may be personally come november when it, you know they all the, these various things in various states go into effect and each one of them sounds so small and minor but an awful lot of people are going to be sort of, you know, faced with real difficulty. Is what do I do? <laughs> when uh, when I was young and, and watching uh, uh, not such great uh, stuff on TV, uh, one of the things was death by a thousand cuts. In other words, they're not trying to do it at, at one. They're not saying, well, if you're African-American, you can't vote. They don't dare do that. But it's this thousand cuts into the people's ability that Karen's talking about to vote. Is is that real? But it's pretty systematic, isn't it, Mark? I mean, nationwide and well, last year alone, uh, to my recollection, there were 19 states that passed 34 laws restricting access to voting, and now here we are in 2020. Uh, looking at 19 states passed 34 laws restricting access to voting. Uh, there were more than 440 bills with provisions restricting voting access that were introduced in 49 states. So it's not an isolated issue. It's not a, a red state, blue state issue. It's not, which I hate, hate, hate dividing this, uh, the country like that. Um, but it's not isolated to portions of this country. It's nationwide. There are efforts, 440 bills. And, uh, and 34 laws came out of those bills that restricted the, the access to vote. And it's not stopping with this legislative session uh, that's coming up for 22. Uh, uh, there are bills that are carrying over from the prior legislative sessions in these states. Legislators have already filed restrictive voting rights bills uh, for their current sessions or their soon-to-be current sessions. Um, and, and states where they're even circumventing the governor's vetoes uh, where they're restricting uh, the county election boards and whatever election boards they have uh, so that if they don't like the results, 
they can decertify them. Yeah, it seems like a lot of these is an attempt to sort of politicize those people in, in most states. The people, whether, you know, they may have to run as a party member to get elected like they do in Arizona to be the county recorder. But as far as I'm aware, every county recorder in Arizona just looked like the Maricopa County recorder who is in like Republican. What he had to say about the quote unquote audit of Maricopa County, most of those people, regardless of what letter shows up, you know, on their line on the ballot, view themselves as professionals. Many of them have worked for years and years at lower levels within you know the counties and you know, the people doing this view themselves as professionals they don't view themselves as partisan and a lot of these bills seem to be trying to in, in, inject that into the system you know the party that rules the state you know that's what's it was it joseph stalin it's the party that counts the votes the person that counts the vote matters wasn't that a joseph stalin yeah, quote? I, doesn't I matter know. who you vote for it matters who counts your vote and we're sort of switching to that Didn't system. Didn't he re- receive <laughs> something like 80 or 90 percent of the votes <laughs> yeah, in, this, in the old Soviet Union? Yeah, because we're seeing that on other things in Arizona, trying to make things parts of the Arizona government, in you know, local government, and make other things more political. And part of this voting thing is the same sort of thing. And, and of course, then you run the risk of creating laws. The very thing that Curse the Cinema is trying to prevent is that everything goes back and forth every two years or four years at the state level. I think that the problem so is with, with Kirsten Sinema's point of view is if, do you not, if the Democrats are restrained about the filibuster, which seems to me a bad idea, there's no reason the Republicans have to be restrained about it when they get in power. Mm-hmm. So her argument is, seems to me totally fallacious. Oh, we kept the filibuster. Now you have to. Well, I don't think the current Republican Party, dominated by yeah. Donald Trump, is going to say, oh, yeah, let's uh, play fair here. I, think I don't we, think we'll see that. I think we could all be pretty sure that if in January of 2023 – the positions are reversed, and there are 50 or 51 Republican senators that you won't find the Republican Party eliminating the filibuster based on its 51 votes. Let's yeah. ask yeah. Uh, Mark, what is the DNC doing about all this? And, and, and as, a, as a representative, what can you do? I know that you haven't been meeting in person, but what can the DNC do to try to ameliorate the situation? As an organization. Well, you mean just with voting rights or in In, in voting rights, I, I, yeah. I, well, you know, we, don't, we, don't, we can put pressure uh, on our caucus, uh, it, but it's about messaging. When we have a Democratic president, the DNC, which is a body, it's a mysterious thing. People uh, may have heard about the DNC for years, and they really don't know what it is. It is the central party for the National Democratic Party. And when you have a Democratic president, uh, as long as it's, uh, 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 the person hasn't run against the party, uh, it is the political arm of the White House. So our job is to get out the message of what this administration has accomplished for the American people. And they're actually in one year in office, this, was, this has been a historic presidency. Uh, the, the level of legislation that, that got through with no numbers. We gave people need to realize with all the back and forth and focusing on one senator or a group, uh, a, a small group of uh, members of Congress, Joe Biden is operating with no numbers. He has uh, an absolutely 50-50 Senate and a nearly evenly divided U.S. House of Representatives. 
He doesn't have the, uh, the majority of state legislatures around the country. He doesn't have the, uh, the majority of governorships. Uh, he's operating not from a position of strength. And yet, despite all that, let's talk about the accomplishments of this administration. It's $1.9 trillion in the American Rescue Plan that provided COVID relief, shots in arms, dollars in pockets, $1 trillion in a bipartisan infrastructure bill that they've been trying to get through through uh, the Congress for years. And it finally happened without number for either, uh, numbers for either party in either direction got that through. $1 trillion in bipartisan infrastructure is going to uh, bring uh, uh, high-speed Internet uh, to rural communities. It's going to uh, improve our roads, our transportation, fix uh, our, our uh, crumbling infrastructure around the country. 72% of Americans are fully vaccinated of, of adults, 72% in the rollout. Now, that lags behind other industrialized countries. But to think where we were just one year ago, uh, and despite all this, uh, these obstacles against vaccinations and against masks, and 72% of us have gotten vaccinated as adults. Uh, federal judges have been nominated and confirmed. We have a, a very low unemployment rate, 4.2%, coming out of what really could have been a very severe recession, if not leading to an economic depression. We're now at 4.2% 4, 4. unemployment rate. We rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement. We've lowered child poverty rates. These are huge accomplishments. But despite that, in we the first year in office. Yeah, and we, we did that without numbers. So, you know, now here we are with voting rights. Um, we couldn't get voting rights legislation through earlier because of the divide in the Senate. And we can review the history of this and say, well, looking back, maybe we should have done that first. Yeah, maybe we should have. But here's where we are now. But and some, all we can talk about now is yeah. the thing that I, 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 is fairness. How do, how, do we cha- how do we change the, the message? You know, f- to some degree, it's a message out in the media that's talking about what hasn't yet been done versus what has been done yeah, or what might be difficult to achieve versus all of the things that have been achieved you know the the you know we, we some of the democratic party doesn't always do a great job in creating these sort of national messages but right now what can we do as local locally political parties what can the dnc do to try to to change that message in the media that this is that biden has been very successful not that biden is a failure there's a, there's a bias in the mainstream media towards sort of pessimistic Pessimist. and negative reporting it's not really partisan uh you know yeah. but uh biden seems to be hitting that messaging and not being able to do much to to undo it, so the the achievements that you're talking about are all very real. And when you when you take a list and look down a list of all the things he's managed to accomplish, it's extraordinary. But that's not the perception, Mark. What can we? What can the Democratic Party, the DNC, do about that? So talk about it. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. Talk about those achievements. Talk about what we've done, and this shows what we can do together as American people. If we just talk about fretting, about worrying about what we can't do, about the numbers uh, of, the, of how we don't have enough seats right now so we can't get anything through, we're throwing up our hands in the air. 
We need to talk about what we have delivered and what we have accomplished. We need to give people hope right now. We're operating out of a position of fear and gloom and doom. And, you know, I, I talked about all the accomplishments. There's no question we're heading into a tough election cycle. Uh, it, this is this is a midterm in an evenly divided uh, country uh, in, in terms of the electoral split. Uh, there is a um, the headwinds are against us. But if we talk about what we have done, that gives people hope about something getting done in Washington. The perception is. Nothing gets done. And the negative news that you're hearing right now is that nothing is getting done on this bill, on that bill. It becomes a fight over dollars. We can't even control our own caucus. Uh, You know, the filibuster about what can be stopped, not about doing things for people. people. People dislike Washington in the process of governing, but they like the accomplishments that, that come out. And we need to focus on those. And, and in every conversation, yes, but we, you know, if people say, yeah, but you're not doing this, this, and this, well, we need to rebut them. Yes, but we have delivered shots in arms. We've delivered uh, stimulus checks to, to help prevent a major uh, depression. We've reduced child poverty rates. Talk about the good stuff. Always. Always talk about the good stuff. And we will do more if you give us more numbers going back to, to D.C. in next election. Yeah, the, and going back to our state legislatures in the next election. The, That's this, how you win. The situation looks very difficult going into the election. I think that, that we all know that. And um, to some extent, the American people don't do explanations. So if you don't get the voting rights bill through, they don't do long explanations about Kirsten Cinema believes in this filibuster and so forth and so on. They just say it's not happening. Um, there's a lot of criticism of Biden from the left, it seems to me, for not doing things he can't do. I mean, you can only do what you can do. And he, it, I don't see any way, if they had started earlier on voting rights, that at but Kristen Cinema and and Manchin, I don't think they would have changed their positions at all. I don't think it would have made any difference what the priority was. This is not a technical problem. This is the fact that there's not enough Democrats elected to Congress. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. It, 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 he doesn't have numbers. Uh, in 2020 election. I, this is an unpopular opinion. This is my uh, personal opinion, not to win favor. Uh, 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 votes for anything that I might run for in the future. I'm just telling it as I see it. We didn't really win in 2020. We we eked out the presidency by 44,000 votes split between three states in the Electoral College. If those 44,000, including Arizona in that tally, if those 44,000 had, had switched over, Trump would have been reelected. Uh, if it wasn't for for COVID, uh, despite everything that Democrats uh, uh, will say was wrong with the Trump presidency, uh, that um, the, the brashness, the um, the taking us out of world agreements that uh, and and our negotiating partners, uh, the misogyny and the racial comments. All of that, 
despite all of that, he almost got reelected, uh, but for a mere 44,000 votes with between three states. Yeah, I mean, understand that Biden Biden won by many, many more votes than that. That's uh, a calculation of the differences in uh, very close states. But he won by millions of votes. He won, he won, won fairly handily votes. in terms of popular votes. It's a landslide. It wasn't a close election. Now, we, we, we made that thing, uh, but I think we need a, uh, um, you are absolutely correct. He, so, we, Mark, uh, but that's Biden, isn't that an uh, issue with the whole, of, whole way we do the elections that we can't seem to change? with the electoral college. I mean, we don't seem to be able to make the structural changes. Critics, uh, both in the U.S. and and, and foreign, are talking about the sickening of American government, the inability to get things done, the inability to make things. The American system is already more difficult than other systems. You know, most countries, uh, democracies, have one house that really is parliamentary. Yeah, Yeah, parliamentary. They have a parliamentary system. They have one functional uh, house. Um, they may have a House of Lords that doesn't do anything. Or, or But but the United States has two houses. It has – we're a huge country. We have all these different governorships and, and so forth and so on. It's, it, I think the American people are getting very frustrated with the government again and – I, and when they do that, they often kind of seems to me to, to criticize our own electorate as they mm-hmm. often strike out at whoever is in power. And, and that's right now would be perceived to be Democrats, right? Uh, it, perception, but that's not reality. Right. Uh, it's just so evenly divided that it makes it very difficult. And I, I think uh, President Biden expressed it very well. He has to deal with 50, Senate, 50 presidents when he's dealing with his own caucus yeah. <laughs> because everybody has their own power. It's, every vote counts. Just, we didn't give him enough numbers. It's one thing that the presidency last cycle, we didn't win enough Senate seats. And we lost more House seats than we expected. We didn't expect that at all. And now we're down to a handful uh, for a margin there heading into a redistricting cycle and heading into a midterm cycle and, with and, a Democratic president. It's just, it's, it's, some of these things are the, you know, Steve mentioned earlier, is that when it comes to what, you know, electing a president, what the president can do is that the vast majority of the American public view the president as having much more power than he does. They think, oh, we elected a Democratic president, all will be well. And don't understand that, the, you, know, this, you know, the limits to what the president can do without a large congressional majority are so limited because the president just you know despite complaints about both obama and about trump about executive orders what the president can do with an executive order is very limited there's not many things they can affect and without having you know the sort of a veto-proof majority you the only way people have succeeded in the past going back you know decades was a degree of compromise those presidents did have people of the opposite party who would support legislation yeah, that in the was Senate, then, no. which you know, yeah, that's a funny word. Which is which has sort of gone away. <laughs> Even those people like Mitt Romney today was talking about tweaking 
something to do with the uh, the article about counting votes or I don't remember, you know didn't only heard it so briefly as a headline even the republicans say talking about tweaking things but when it push comes to shove they don't really want to vote for these things even if they themselves obviously feel that the system isn't working as good, perfectly for everybody let me you know. run something by you mark that with a commentator was uh, that i read today and and what she said basically was the real problem is the voter indifference to what's happening in the moves to make the United States more anti-democratic. The voter indifference she was talking about. Do you think that's what we're facing? Or are they, uh, to her, the, the voters are not as concerned as they should be about what's going on. They just seem to be uh, not taking seriously uh, the various Trump moves to uh, 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 keep power. Uh, in, there is an enthusiasm problem in this country. Uh, we've been talking about it on the Democratic Party side, about an enthusiasm for this election cycle and for our candidates. I think there's a, 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 an enthusiasm problem for the small D democracy, uh, Democrats, uh, and the system. And I think that uh, there is a disengagement uh, of the populace with what happens at our state houses and at our, uh, at our federal seats of power. Uh, how do we reinvigorate participation in this country? We don't, we don't ask much for uh, people to be Americans. There's there's a tax uh, that people pay. Uh, uh, there's not much else. There's not a national service requirement. Uh, earlier on, there hasn't been a draft in decades, um, in generations now. Uh, there hasn't been an act of being part of something larger than yourself. And it has led to a very... Um, on an individual level, it's, it's a very isolating type of a thing. You're not part of something larger in a larger community. And now you can find your own communities online so easily. Yeah. So we're not really connecting as a country in and, a way that we have. Yeah, and in that year, past. Uh, year, two years of COVID um, through the last election cycle, when in large <laughs> parts point. of the country, people were trying to get out the vote without talking to people in person. You know, this sort of without knocking on a door, talking to your neighbors, people were isolated into electronic forms of communication, but, you know, because that was the way they felt safe interacting. And it seems that the one thing we need to get back to in this coming session, hopefully, you know, won't be health issues stopping that, is getting back to the idea of everybody needs to talk to their next door neighbor. You know, if you're involved, you need to go out and knock on a door and talk to somebody in person. You need to invite somebody to a political event. You need to invite somebody to your house to meet the candidate. You know, and that mm -hmm. sort of applies at all, all levels of government. Because there's always, we all know there's always been a disconnect of people feel that, that the important person is the president. They forget that in, in so many things that affect your day-to-day -day life, it's your governor or your state legislature that have more effect on your job, on your school, on your road than the president ever will. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I, so I, people forget how this, government system really works and, and what levels you need to get involved for certain kinds of, act, of issues. And I think what Mark was referring to earlier is interesting. There's been a sort of fragmentation of identity mm -hmm. 
And when the Internet was first invented, it was kind of exciting to see people who, um, you know, like Bulgarian cuisine suddenly meeting each other all over the country who had never had anybody to talk about whatever it was. But there seems, Mark, or or do you feel that there's been a sort of fragmentation of identity in the United States and as as well as a failure to identify with the that you know we don't have a crisis now we don't have a war now um identity with the united states as an entity well uh, so uh, first off fragmentation of identity what a great phrase that is <laughs> I, I i'm gonna take that one that was really good uh it was yours i think yeah I, 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 I don't, Kudos. Well, who knows what comes out of my mouth? I'm a politician. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happens, you know. Um, there we are. I need my handlers around me. Uh, we are not dealing with a common set of facts anymore. People have segregated and segmented themselves into their own sources for information. I'm not even going to say it's news, for information. And it doesn't mean it's good information, necessarily, but they go to their trusted source, and they're not looking around, and we're not dealing with one set of facts that that both sides are presented, and then you can bring your own philosophy and your own life experience to arguing those facts or, or absorbing them. Now you're getting different facts. How is that even possible? We don't have, um, you know, the fairness doctrine went out, uh, equal time went out. It's not something that's part of our, uh, of just something we, uh, of our expectations anymore. And because of that, we've become different societies in a short period of time because of the internet. And, and that so really an internet world also open. means we all, regardless of what area, you sort of can overestimate how popular your views are so easily. You go on these things and you think, well, I don't really need to get out and get active because everybody in my world, online, in person, whatever, is is agrees with me on something, you know, whatever your, your view is. So I think people can, they sit there in these groups that really have and ideas that don't have a lot of support. Have a it, lot of voice. A lot of voice. And then the people who in that group can overestimate and think, oh, oh, everybody you know, the majority, I'm with the majority. The majority of people agree that Trump won the election because that's what you hear. The majority of people, you know, agree that, that a European-style socialist agenda is the way, way forward when those views on both sides are actually minority viewpoints, even within the parties that talk about them. You know, it, it, let's, let's go back, Mark, and ask you uh, again, I guess a different way. Um, is the focus of the Democratic Party? I went to look on uh, the Democrat, uh, the DNC website, and uh, we hit people up for money in the beginning <laughs> of our show. But the DNC website won't even let you on there until they you you push off on a, a donation button, which is great for a commercial uh, company, not so good for you know the DNC needs to explain itself before asking for funds. It seems to me, uh, because people, as you said earlier in the show, they they don't really really understand it fully. So is yeah, the it, Demo- it, it, it's only a group of uh, about the size of the House of Representatives. Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> it's not that large a group. There are from Arizona, for example. I, I'm one of three. Uh, people that represent the state of the DNC. 
that are elected to represent it. And then there were two, uh, the state party chair, and we, uh, excuse me, the three of us served four year terms. The state party chair and the uh, first vice chair are automatically from each state and territory are automatically on the DNC. So they serve a two year term. Uh, and then they're up for re-election if they run, run again. So half of half of my term is the chair and the vice chair. And then it, there are a, a certain number of slots that are appointed by the chair or by certain committees. So Arizona actually has two more people uh, that are serving on the DNC. But it's a very small body uh, that are making the policies of the Democratic Party. And you're right. People don't know what it is. But they also they need to know what we stand for and what we have done in order to, to win the election very good point about you know we asked for money before before telling you why <laughs> yeah <laughs> many <laughs> rules today in politics it's a terrible I know. thing yeah uh, all of us uh, involved know that you know and we know that candidates have to spend all their time raising money and we don't seem to be able to do anything about that six um, hours a day but when is the focus more? A clean up at six hours a day. You're on the, uh, on the phone, making phone calls, asking for money. I know. Why? I, I uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> a it's a it's a real restriction on running for office. The fact that everything has gotten it's a million dollars plus to get a congressional seat and so forth and so on. Is the Democratic Party focusing on the issues? that are most important to the American people, do you think? Or is there any, I know that you, as you said earlier, the president kind of calls the tone, sets the agenda for the Democratic Party when we have a Democratic president. But are Democrats talking to people about the issues that are important to them, do you think? I, I, I think so. But we need to do a better job of it. And we need to, we talk about so much that people don't have the, um, the patience. I don't want to say attention span, the patience to go through a litany. Yeah, we when you've got, here. When we all know there are four or five important issues, it's hard to get four or five issues in one, you know, 30 second soundbite. <laughs> you can't, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And bumper stickers win elections. You know, if you can say something that just speaks to people at that moment, and right now um, we have to define what that was. Build Back Better was the way that we were trying to do, and now people don't know what it is anymore. And the bill itself didn't get passed. That's what the messaging uh, was targeting towards, that we're going to build back better from this pandemic and from the shutdown. I don't think people are associating that phrase anymore, personally. People really didn't understand how good that bill was, Mark. They didn't really understand all of the good things that were in the bill. They didn't understand how important it was. It sounded good, but they didn't understand it. $3 trillion, right? They understood the side argument of you need to win this senator. Or they they could understand one bad one point that they disagree with in the bill rather than the programs. If it was a specific program, do you believe in making it easier for for parents to go back to work if if you give them childcare credits? That's something that that people would would resonate with people. Well, Pick some, out that thing that's important, as you were saying. Uh, uh, just, to people, 
Would... And focus on that. And I think Democrats put yeah. too much into these things. The voting rights bills, we're not going to get this all through now. Yeah, that's I, one, I one, one difficulty that, that Congress sort of lends itself to massive bills rather than smaller ones that are easier to get the bullet points and the bumper sticker out of. I think Speaking of uh, bumper of stickers, here. Mark, you yeah. have uh, one minute to sum up all your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> or at least one of them. <laughs> or pick one. Well, yeah. look, I, uh, I, um, I think that there are headwinds against us uh, this cycle. There's no question about it. Redistricting is not helping in this state or around the country. I don't think this is 1994 or 2010 in terms of being as tough of cycles for Democrats as those were. But we got work to do. I think we need to focus on what is most important to us right now uh, and focus on our accomplishments of what we have delivered and what we can parlay into future successes. We need to give people optimism based upon what we've accomplished in the past year. Yes, there are obstacles, but when have has a, a America or Americans ever been afraid of meeting challenges? That's a we yeah. good forward, ending point. <laughs> and by pressing forward, we've defeated this virus and we've, we've helped sustain yeah. our economy. That's a good summary. I mean, uh, Democrats have to put their uh, shoulders to the wheel to and, and, and work hard to make this income or outcome, I should say, um, the, the best that we can. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's talking about, you know, there are things we, that are, 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 are tough and might change between now and Election Day, like inflation is something that's yeah. being uh, thrown you. in our face. Yeah. And I'd like to thank the uh, Yavapai County Democrats for their support and El Portal. Um, if you go on our website, vvid.org, folks, we can really use economic help. A small amount of money donated monthly is really, is really helpful for us. All right, folks, um, vvid.org. If you like this podcast, recommend it to your friends. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.